you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Hamke. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, guys, another one that we're doing here from home, but I think you're really going to like today's topic. Uh, we we took some time and we've been talking about this 2019 Cummins a lot. Uh, Chris, you've been driving it pretty much nonstop here for a few weeks, right? Yeah, actually, I've had the truck for about a month and a half now. Um, you know, kind of understanding the ins and outs of the platform itself and, you know, kind of comparing that to my 2015 and, you know, just seeing, you know, how the, the two stack up against one another. Um, there's some fair comparisons. There's some unfair comparisons, which we'll kind of bullet point as we go through this. But, uh, you know, another highlight, Paul, we haven't done an episode together in a little while. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, so we're back. Nice. We're yeah, back. we're back. I feel at home. <laughs> even though I am home, but, uh, right. you know, I'm, I'm excited to get into this one. So let's, uh, sure. you know, let, let's, well, Hey, speaking of that 2019 Cummins, we got that thing tuned with our easy link tuning over at calibrated power Duramax tuner. So, so we actually, you've been running our easy link tuning and this month I thought that was a great time for us to talk about our easy link sale going on right yeah. now. Uh, you can call in to Chris or any of the staff for at Duramax Tuner and get yourself 15% off of any of our EasyLink tuning. Chris, give them a rundown. Yeah. What all do we support on EasyLink these days? So EasyLink, we have EcoBoost from 2011 to 2020. So the 3.5 and then the 2.7. Uh, we do the Power Stroke from 2012 through 2019. Uh, LML Duramax from 2011 to 2016. And then, of course, the Cummins, which is from 2013 through 2020. Uh, one of the things that are cool is we finally have some switchable support for the 2013 through 2018. Um, and then the 2019s and 20s, uh, there'll be individual flashes for the time being. But that's for such the an Cummins. Overwhelmingly for the Cummins. And that's, it's such an overwhelmingly uh, amount of responses I've been getting and requests. Um, that's probably been one of the more popular platforms and I've been dealing with firsthand recently, Paul, and guys are really happy with uh, the end results of their trucks tuned. And that's whether you do the standard output truck with the 68 or you do the high output and you have that ace and trans, uh, there's a lot of gains to be had on both fronts and they're just, they're a really nice platform to work off of for sure. And we're going to be talking about so much freaking Cummins today. It is unreal. Uh, but that's okay. I'm all right with it, guys. I'm going to make it through it. I'm amped up about it, Paul. You got I'm your big C up, up huh? Big C up. All right. Dude, um, hey, throw them up. <laughs> please don't. Please don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. But for real, uh, one of the other guys we always talk about when we talk about our comments, and I'm, I'm thinking about uh, the white truck, the 06, 07, whatever it is, yeah. um, that, that we've been romping around with all year. Uh, and, and we got quite a few WC fab parts on there. Uh, we also have quite a few Exergy parts on there. So we have an Exergy pump. We have Exergy injectors. We have WC Fab traction bars. We have WC Fab. Uh, well, now it's got a WC Fab twin kit on it uh, and quite a few other little ancillary parts along the way. Guys, we work with WC Fab the- and we work with Exergy because when it comes to building our competition trucks, when it comes to driving our personal trucks, that's who we use. Well, Jason's also released a couple of cool new uh, upgrades and, and, and things like that for the Cummins. So he has the second gen conversion kits where you can do a top mount or lower mount uh, turbo location. Um, but he also has a new intake horn and, and driver's side intercooler pipe. 
Um, and he has that as an add-on on any of the compound kits or the single turbo upgrades that he offers. And they're a really slick option and you can get them powder coated to match the rest of your, you know, WC fab goodies under the hood. So a lot of cool stuff there. Um, and then, yeah, Paul, I just to back up on the exergy component stuff. Um, it's crazy to me guys that, you know, have had issues with injectors and things like that in the past and they want to go and build more power, but they're afraid because they don't want to go bigger in an injector because they don't want a poorer driving experience than what they're currently experiencing. And, uh, you know, it's just ironic how, you know, we're able, or it's mind blowing how we're able to get a bigger injector in some of these guys' trucks and tune them and have the truck run cleaner because of the, the tuning capabilities. Um, just the injector will listen. The injector is controllable. So, you know, it just shows that, uh, you know, the characteristics and, you know, what they can offer in their product to be as top notch as they are. Absolutely correct. I think that's well said. Uh, well, guys, what we are covering today and, and what you probably already saw in our title is we're going to break down that 2019 Cummins and we're going to talk about the good, the bad, the low, the high, um, and really focus on the things that they've changed from the 2018 model. So the 2019 and the 2020, extremely similar, if not identical. I think we can land on that, Chris. Yeah, 19s and 20s, they're going to be the same platform. Um you know, but you, you look at, you look at a 20, you know, the idea here is, is the fifth gen versus fourth gen, right? So uh, to be specific, we take the 18 and the 19, you pop the hood first glance and they look similar, Paul. Like there, there's really not a lot of differences here when you look at, you know, just the naked eye from a first glance, but when you really dive into the platform, they're, they really switched things up. They made things a lot different on these. So, Absolutely. Uh, it's crazy with the amount of changes. So let's dive into it, Paul. Uh, we'll start with the chassis. What did they change in the chassis area? Sure. Okay. And and I want to plug a couple of resources. Um, I know that we used for this, for this episode specifically, guys. Number one is I, the interview we did with Rod Romain, the chief engineer of Ram Heavy Duty Trucks. Uh, so go back into our feed. Uh, we'll probably be reposting that here in the very near future, uh, just so you guys have that as a kind of update. Uh, but I know I went back and I listened to that episode and double checked a bunch of stuff. I also caught him on a few different channels on YouTube. Diesel Hub is always a great resource. Uh, and I found another spot uh, that I really liked, which was inwheeltime.com. Uh, so we really tried to pull together as much information as we could. And what stood out to me, Chris, as I, I was sifting through all of this stuff is, how much time they spent strengthening different areas of the chassis. So it, it, in general is your same frame. Uh, it, it would look like the same frame if you had two of them sitting next to each other, but they went up to that in, uh, huge towing capacity that's out in the 2019s. Mm -hmm. and, and really the huge, the, the big deal is that thousand foot pounds of torque in the, the high output ASIN models. Uh, so the whole rear assembly is all strengthened. It's all either new materials uh, or it's it's larger or it's it, it's all been strengthened uh, again to kind of prepare it for that that reliability of having all of this new high output along with that went with a max a, a new axle uh, for the max toe so it's the max toe axle it's got larger everything larger bearings larger axle shafts um, it even matches up to bigger brakes uh, I want to say 130 millimeter brakes so so huge brakes on this thing to stop it oh, because wow. you have assumably assumably you have this massive payload behind it right uh and then of course rear cross member and other parts like that in the back end then everything from the a pillar forward completely redesigned uh so i think you're, you're going to talk a little bit more about kind of some of those driving changes that huge new radiator that huge new intercooler that went into them 
that meant that they had to package the chassis around those components. So they had to have bigger fenders, a bigger hood, a bigger grill, new bumpers, new, new everything. Um, and then one of the other big pushes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, reduce drag and increase airflow throughout the motor. Um, so a part of what they used for that uh, was their active grill shutters, uh, which are vents that open and close in the front uh, to allow airflow into the system where it's needed most. Right. So and then NVH was another yep. big driving change around this. So NVH is noise, vibration, harshness. You want a smoother ride. You want a quieter ride and you don't want it shaky or rally. Right. So they changed a lot of the materials that they used. And I think, I think, again, this is something you'll dive into is, is using aluminum whenever they can, because it's lighter and it's structurally better, but also actually neutralizing the frequency of rattle. So if you think about a piece of metal that goes from the left side of the frame to the right side of the frame, right? So like a cross member or, or, or any of the supports across, um, yep that's there's going to be a certain amount of vibration no matter what you do to that but what they've learned over billions of years of of engineering i guess we'll just pretend um is that you can actually change the frequency of of what that rattle is to try to neutralize the sound uh which is just an insane amount of technology for me to even wrap my head around and and they applied this concept throughout the exhaust hangers the exhaust bends uh they went to a hydro mount c pillar mount like they really they really looked at everything they could to just make this a more enjoyable ride. And I think they nailed it, man. And I, I think that chassis kind of walks you into that, the the engine and that rotating assembly, which I know went through a lot of these changes as well, Chris. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, just you, you take one of those trucks and you start it and just the harmonics, the way the truck feels as you sit in the driver's seat, it's very, it, it's, it's much quieter, which we'll get into the motor stuff. But the vibrations and, and anyone that's ever had the ability or the privilege of driving a Cummins in the past, you know, when you talk about the older 12 valves to the 24 valve VP truck, which very shaky, very rattly, they're all over the place. Then you get into the 5.9 common rail, a little bit better, 6.7 common rail, a little bit better, get into the newer four gens, a little bit better. Then you get this fifth gen and the fifth gen surpasses anything of its predecessor. It's very smooth, very quiet. Um, and I think a lot of that has to contest to everything that you just mentioned, Paul. So, uh, you know, I think, like you said, they, they definitely nailed it, uh, knocked it out of the park with that one. Um, now we get into the engine, the rotating assembly. Uh, a couple of things that, you know, I didn't necessarily know prior to doing the uh, research here, but they went with a new compacted graphite iron material for the block that allows them to increase the cylinder pressure capability while reducing the overall weight by almost 60 pounds. So 60 pounds of weight savings just in the engine block itself is insane. Um, they went with a new cast iron cylinder head uh, to contain high temperature, uh, which is capable of um, actuating your exhaust valves. Um, and then they have a new hydraulic uh, lash adjuster, um, which is going to help eliminate uh, adjustment in the service intervals. I know that like on my 2015 at 70,000 miles, we had to do a valve lash and the valves were completely out of whack. Like the truck probably needed to have it done at like 40 or 50,000 miles. And it's crazy. Like when you look at those, those platforms, I never realized how more rattly that engine was until the valve lash was done. Because then now that I have everything back in sync, the engine, unlike the older ones are a lot more quiet, more uh, harmonic, if you will, they're more in sequence. Um, so it's huge that they did the hydraulic lash adjusters, because I think that takes a lot out of the vibration or that sound as the truck's idling. Um, 
And then one of the other big things is, is the heart of the engine. They went with a higher strength alloy crankshaft and a 10 bolt main, um, which is also uh, mated with a new designed forged connecting rod and new bearings to transfer the power to offer a, a lower friction. Um, and then the new piston ring design that they have in their pistons themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, yes. Go on. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I always wonder um, how much these engineers take from the aftermarket kind of industry about about driving where the technology goes to make things stronger and faster and and more reliable. I would also imagine um, the, the hydraulic lash adjusters. You think that'll help with reducing some of the maintenance that's required? Like, could that extend some of your maintenance intervals? I mean, that's what their idea around this is. Yeah. I mean, you know, you wouldn't have to do the 60, 70,000 mile valve lash intervals at this point is, is the way it sounds to me. But what's ironic to me with this is, you know, guys talk about, oh, it's a fifth gen Dodge. Well, it's more like a four and a half gen Dodge as some guys joke around because it's still a six, <laughs> seven liter motor. Yeah, it's a six, seven liter Cummins motor, but they have completely redesigned and re-engineered this engine. This engine yeah. is so much different from the from the older 13 to 18 six, seven, which is different from the 10 to 12 six, seven, which is different from the you know 07 and a half to 09 six, seven. This has arguably the most changes. Nothing is virtually the same. So yeah, I, I think it's really interesting that the whole focus has been stronger, lighter. Stronger, lighter, stronger, lighter, stronger, lighter. And and that really seems to be what's driving this. Yeah. Now you can now you 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 pair that with a new engine controller, which we've seen in the Cummins, you know, with all the different we, we've always at the shop we break down platforms by ECM at times. So, you know, we knew going into the twenty nineteen platform that there was going to be a new ECM, which is uh, deemed the CM twenty four fifty B. Um, so that's the 19 and 20 engine control management system that these engines have. Um, Thanks for nerding it up on the thing, podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one of the things too, that I thought was interesting was the fuel system. So when you compare the 18 and older Cummins, they've always ran at around 26,000 PSI of fuel pressure. And that's been that way ever since 2007 and a half. Okay. Some nozzle differences have come in the, in the play from 20, uh, 2007 and a half through 2018. Um, but the fuel systems, uh, fuel pressure has been 26 K and change. Um, so they converted to a, a new style fuel pump to support the added fuel volume needed. And that's called an HP four. Um, and the HP four in the new fuel system is set up to support 29,000 pounds of rail pressure. It's ironic here because now they're taking a note out of Ford and GM's book because they've been at 29,000 pounds of fuel rail pressure for, for years now. Um, but that's also to help uh, keep the emissions happy because they're able to run pressure up to help for better atomization of the fuel in the cylinder. You know, so it's funny you bring I that up, that Chris. Was... Oh, I'll jump in here. Yeah, it's, funny you, it, it's funny you bring that up, Chris, because I know when we were talking with our 2019 versus episode where um, you, Tim and Nick all kind of went through. Tim and Nick bo both agreed from an R&D standpoint and from like, you know, an actual being on the road standpoint. Um, they see the longest distances between regen out of these newer Cummins. Um, but I, I do right. know also that they noted uh, def usage increased. So so yep. there's some sort of balance there. There's always some sort of trade off, a, a give and take when we're talking about this. But it is interesting to me um, that they, they've I, I want to say caught up 
to everybody else running higher rail pressure. So you, you, so you get better atomization. Um, you can run shorter duration, things like that. Uh, I wonder if going to that HP four pump, uh, from Bosch is is what, what has allowed them to do that. Yeah. I mean, the, the pump itself is capable of supporting, uh, the higher fuel, uh, pressure for, you know, a duration. And I mean, up until last year, 2018, or the, the last year of the old 6.7 in 2018, they were still running a, a, a CP3 pump, which, you know, the other competitors in the space, Ford and GM, they had done away with the CP3 style pump years ago. So uh, it's interesting to see that. And another thing that kind of sparked my interest here was the, the Cummins new filtration setup, which is a filter in filter that they uh, deem nano net technology. Um, so it's interesting. I, I kind of want to get my hands on that and see what that system looks like firsthand and see, you know, what's the what's the end result here as far as the added ability for fuel filtration. That that sounds like something I would write, which means that it's probably a filter with a sock around it. Um, I'm just joking. It's totally, yeah, you think, totally you think just. You'd <laughs> you think you'd be creative enough to call that nanonet technology? I don't think nanonet? you have that. that isn't that isn't that i mean but seriously though does that does that not kind of like hit your gut of like this could be really cool or this could be like you see a, on a an air filter for a lawnmower where there's just a sock around the in, the actual filter you know what i mean it's like it could be really cool I, i'll be interested well, we to see it too I'll, I'll spin it a different way paul there's no secret in the industry as these newer trucks are coming out and these newer injection pumps come out we do see some failures take place those failures, sure. as much as anyone in the in, in this industry think that it's the pump that's bad, a lot of times the failures are deemed through contaminated fuel, which we know that the fuel quality isn't the same as what it was years ago. So, you know, the OEM, they need to be able to create a better way of filtering the fuel that we put in these trucks. So maybe it just is a sock with a filter. Maybe it's a filter within a filter. How does that path travel? How do those filters actually work? And what happens a couple of years from now? Are we going to see the ability to filter better than some one of the other truck systems are offered in today's market to offer better longevity in the future? And I think that's where I'm more, my, my curiosity lies. I love it. I love it. Well played. So, how about the turbocharger? Now, so you're, you're, we're, we're talking engine, we're talking fuel. It's a diesel. Talk to me about air. I know about the radiator. I know like much larger radiator, much bigger intercooler. Uh, we, we've already talked about the active grill shutters. Um, well, what about this turbocharger is new? So from what uh, I've gathered of the turbocharger, uh, slightly bigger wheel on the compressor and turbine side, um, slightly bigger shaft and more heavier duty bearings. Um, the one thing that really threw me for a loop was like in the high output model from the factory, the trucks are set up to make 33 pounds of boost. That means factory map and the 400 horse thousand foot pound torque, the turbos make 33 pounds of boost from the factory. Now think of the engineering. So for, for an example, you take an older six, seven, they make mid twenties, let's say, and then us in the tuning world, we create, you know, that mid to high 30 PSI range, which is right at the cusp of the uh, limitation of what the factory turbocharger can support reliably um, to get fresh, you know, efficient air into the engine. Cummins had to create or design with Holset a turbocharger that can live and withstand the abuse from factory 33 pounds of boost. To me, that that was absolutely mind-blowing. So when you read about, you know, bearing upgrades, shaft upgrades, things like that, 
these are the bare minimums that need to take place for a guy to be sold a truck and then, you know, rack up hundreds of thousands of miles and know that the truck can live a long, healthy life. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And again, I feel like that's taking note from the aftermarket and what they've seen over the years when guys modify these engines. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know um, I was doing some videos with Nick the other day and he was talking about uh, he's talking about nowadays how y- there there is the ability to use machine learning to develop wheel profiles for for turbo wheels. And I'm like, that's probably one of the coolest sentences I've ever heard in my life. Uh, robots are building turbos like I'm, I'm into that, like yeah. designing turbo wheels. Right. Like I'm into that. Uh, but, yeah, no, you, you really do wonder about about where does this go, right? Like this is a 2019 model we're talking about. Like what does 2029 models look like? Like are we talking about 700 horsepower from the factory and a diesel? Nah, bro, that's going to be electric. Uh, fair enough. That's a joke. Fair enough. That's fair a enough. joke. That's a joke. Well, <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to go electric. You're getting so much hate mail over this. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Um, okay. Well, well, Hey, all of this put together and we keep talking about this, this thousand foot pound torque, 400 horsepower monster. That's the ACE and high high output, the 68, um, equipped trucks or the 68 RFE equipped trucks. They're running at a standard output of 370. I want to say off the top of my head, 850 foot pounds of torque there. Well, here in wheel time quoted them as saying, also available is a lesser variant of the Cummins turbo diesel that delivers 370 horsepower at 2,800 RPM and 850 foot pounds of torque at 1,700 RPM. This air quoted lesser turbo diesel is mated to an upgraded version of the 68 RFE six speed automatic transmission for improved shift quality. Uh, So the ASIN, um, which for you nerds out there will be called like an, an AS six, nine RC is, is actually a medium duty six speed automatic transmission uh, that back in 13, they started offering in these trucks and they've always been rated with a little bit more horsepower, but for the aftermarket community, I could think of a few guys that pushed them, but for the most part, everybody just gets the 68 and then you, you do a small modification, right? Chris, you do a valve body upgrade and a torque converter. And now right. you're essentially at what we used to call built trans power limits. You can ride up to the edge of what your turbo yep. is capable of. So for performance enthusiasts, we very often have recommended just get the 68. In fact, I remember when Nick bought his first 15, um, which is not the truck you're driving. And that's because he canceled his order when we found out that there was no ASIN support, but we would have 68 RFE support. So he actually canceled an order yeah, on an ASIN was, and went back and bought one that didn't have it. Yeah, and I think now, you know, you know, back to five, six years later, you know, still there are some companies that have started investing time and resources into understanding the ASIN tuning hardware software companies are starting to uh, be at the brink of offering some type of support to offer custom tuning for those platforms. And that's where I think the 68 uh, shines over the ASIN right now. Stock for stock, the ASIN trans is a badass trans, um, but there are some drivability quirks and it's very common theme across any of the owners I have the uh, luxury of working with. Um, but in the aftermarket, yeah, the 68's always kind of been like, hey, get this because of the ability of knowing what's going on, the aftermarket support and things like that. But, you know, truck for truck, I mean, they both do really, really well and a little bit of tuning can go a long way with them regardless. So, yeah. um, but what, what I wasn't surprised by is, or what I was surprised by, I should say, Paul, is the ASIN was actually uh, offered in the cab chassis trucks back in 2007 and a half. 
that is true bought a third gen six seven it was a different version of and then they uh they changed it significantly uh going into the 13 year model um and then i believe that there's been some alterations over you know the last seven eight years as well um but it seems like you know now there's there's really not a whole lot of difference um other than like the the tcm itself like the tcm itself has added capability and and commands to the transmission correct yeah yeah so they upgraded to a new controller and a dual core processor for faster and more precise shifts under loads um reports as i started to dig around for user feedback for research on this didn't provide me a ton of confidence um in in what that capability was or how much of an improvement it was i know that there's been quite a few updates for you guys so if you have an ace and you're like dude the dealership says come in and get this update is it really going to work feedback has been on both sides i'll tell you that uh it is not It's a balance of mediocre at best. Yeah, that, <laughs> I think is is the way to to look at it. That's my challenge, and I think I think you put it well. I think if you're gonna go stock, you're fine. Like like I think you're you're totally good to go with the ASIN. Get the extra towing capacity. Get the extra horsepower. I I 100 would like if I was just gonna do a light tune on it or drive it stock. I think that's what I would do, honestly. Uh, now, if I was going to yeah. modify my yeah. shit and I wanted to put a turbo on it down the road and I wanted to maybe do a, you know injectors or something like that down the road, well, no question, I would I would go with the '68. I just think that's being real as of Absolutely. what's available today in April or May of 2020, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I did also. I know back in the day, Chris, we used to have a ton of guys call in and want tuning and not know whether or not they had an ASIN or a '68. Uh, so I assume that's still happening. Now, right. I didn't find any cool tricks about where the dipstick tube is. So that may or may not be true. Maybe you can help confirm that. Uh, but I did hear a new one that I thought you yep. would like. So you can actually look under your truck and look for the uh, transmission oil pan. If you have a flat transmission yep. oil pan, you have an ASIN. Uh, if you have a step okay. Okay. transmission oil pan, you have a 68 RFE. Yeah, I, I guess I would say just uh, with what my nine to five is, um, I'm still going to coach guys to pop the hood uh, because the transmission dipstick location still holds true. That's still a, a real way of verifying Good. what you have. So to all the listeners out there, um, if you have an automatic and you're not sure what transmission you have, um, if your transmission dipstick is on the passenger side of the truck, meaning your transmission dipstick is just above the turbocharger, then you would in fact have the 68 RFE trans. Now, if you have a transmission dipstick that's right above or below your uh, oil dipstick on the driver's side of the truck, then that would mean, in fact, that you have the uh, ASIN, the the AS68RC. Now, if you don't have a dipstick, then you probably have a manual, and you should know that. So, (laughs) (laughs) but... uh, you know, that, that's a cool little trick that I use with guys. So 68 RFE, dipstick's going to be on the passenger side. If you have the ASIN, the dipstick's going to be on the driver's side. And that's a really easy way, you know, where you don't have to get underneath the truck and get dirty. Um, you just pop the hood and, and verify what you have, and that's the easiest way to go about it. So um, I actually have a, a buddy who has a shop not far from where I live, and uh, he does fleet services. And uh, he had a new, a newer, it was a, it was a 20 with like 4,000 miles. And they were like, well, we don't know what trans is in this. And then I come and I look and boom, you know, that, that's, uh, that still holds true. So 68. Good. Awesome. 
Um, who would have thought we're, we're on our show giving giving solid consumer advice that might actually be useful to someone. That's, this feels weird, but but I like it, Chris. Yeah, I don't know what you're doing <laughs> to me during this whole quarantine thing, man. <laughs> um, okay, so exterior changes. I know the front changed because, like we already talked about, they had to run a bigger grill. Right. I have not sat and spent a ton of time looking at a fourth gen next to a fifth gen. Can I just say... I'll kind of look alike. Any yeah, big I mean, exterior changes or ancillary changes throughout? I I know we talked quite at length about the interior of the truck on our our versus episode. Um, what about walking around the rest of the truck? Anything else that people are talking about? Honestly, you know, badges might be different sizes. Honestly, truck for truck next to one another from side view, uh, they look fairly identical. The biggest differences are going to be in the front end. Uh, so you have the hood that's going to be slightly different, especially where emblem placement takes place. The hood, uh, I just said that, uh, the fender shape up front where the headlights come in and then the grill and the front bumper. Right. Um, those are going to be the biggest changes, I would say, fourth gen versus fifth gen. And I think a lot of that front end shaping has taken place due to, uh, you know, the, the bigger radiator, intercooler, things like that. So yeah. again, for cooling and aerodynamics, um, like I said, otherwise, I mean, they look, they look fairly, fairly similar. If you take a fourth and a fifth and just cut the front ends out of the equation, they, they look similar. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I think where the biggest change comes in is the interior. Um, you know, and again, depends on the model, of course, you know, you could get into like more of like, uh, the work truck model. And I would say that there's a lot of similarities. The gauge cluster is a little different, um, and how it's you know, put together and displayed. But when you start getting into some of the, you know, the, the higher trim packages um, and you start getting into the bigger, you know, head unit screen displays in the center console, there's a lot of differences in creature comforts that they have come up with on the 19s and 20s and what was available from the 13 to 18. So um, there's a lot of different screen displays. You could do like a work edition with no big center display. Then you could do an eight inch or you could do the big monstrous 12 inch. Um, and even the eight inch display, uh, it has a, a much quicker processor. Um, the display is a lot nicer to look at than I would say the, the 13 to 18 year models would be. And honestly, back you know a couple of years ago, I didn't think you could get a better interior than, than those year model Rams. I'm a, I'm a big fan of those. The fuck out of here. Um, and then you get into the newer trucks. I, you, I don't think you, you can get into a Ford. Ford's got nice interior, but I don't think there's anyone that's going to dispute that you get into a fully loaded, you know, 13 or newer Ram. They, they do the business. And you can go back to the episode that we did where uh, myself, Tim, you, and Nick went on. And everyone has the same, you know, common common agreement like rams knocked it out of the park for years with their interior and i mean the, the 19s and 20s are literally no exception like you get into one of those newer trucks that are loaded uh forget it i don't think any other truck pla- uh, platform's gonna i don't know out. i really like the way the windows and the seat line up to each other on the ford i know that sounds stupid but it's a big deal for me the way uh, i drive no it, it's a big deal it's a big deal the one thing i will say too like I feel like Rams done something with their seats. Their seats are a little bit more comfortable. They're a little softer. So when you get in them, the cushions themselves, and I, that sounds stupid, but it's little things like, you know what, getting into the 19, you can get in it and drive and you're very, very comfortable. It's a very comfortable ride yeah. altogether. As far as yeah, well, we've goes. said too many nice things about Ram, Chris. What, what are some of the drawbacks of the good one, of the <laughs> new ones I meant? 
Um, I would say, I would say first and foremost, I've had the luxury of driving the a 2020, you know, 2500. Um, they drive really well, but when you do get into the 3500s and the duallys, they are a yeah. rough ride, very rough. You have to have a couple thousand pounds behind you, and then that's when the trucks drive really nice. Um, but unless you have a couple thousand pounds behind you, forget it. <laughs> they are Ugh. rough and aggressive. Yeah. Simple Fair. as that. Um, not great. So, I, I, and, and we talked about this on the Versus episode as well. Factory calibration definitely leaves a lot on the table uh so so i think that's something to remind people of is that if you're getting one new and and you're driving it off the lot and you're like man these guys talked about these trucks being cool we're talking about the truck being cool to drive once you have a tune on it um because straight off the showroom floor it's a slush box it definitely has some shift quality issues in my opinion in my opinion um and then uh, it it a hundred percent. I think I mean, there have been at least from again user feedback only, not from me, but from user feedback on the the whole on the line world, um, some reliability issues on some of the basic parts as well, right? So it's come up. I'll throw that out. Yeah, there. I mean, I, I I can't argue with that at all. If if you're gonna go drive all three platforms, you know, all three new trucks, the Ram is gonna be the least impressive, and I've said sure. that before. I'll I'll keep saying it. I think it's the the one platform that has the most potential or improvement to be had with tuning. Um, But I I mean, it's just the whole, the the truck as a whole, I think there's a lot of nice attributes that the truck could offer, but yeah, I mean, if you get in one and drive one and you're in a newer Ford or a GM and you get into the Ram, you're going to be not impressed. I don't think to say the least, maybe you will be, but uh, it's just, it's a different feel altogether. Yeah, I hear that. Awesome, man. Well, hey, this has been so much fun. I'm so glad that that we got a chance to get on and do like a good research episode together. I know it's been a little while for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun doing the research. You know, it's it's crazy to be in one of these trucks and drive them and not necessarily know what changes took place. And then you start doing the research and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, they did this change. I noticed that. You know, and you get that that one on one. So it was really, really fun. It was a it was a cool project to do with you. I like it, man. Well, guys, uh, for today, this has been Paul and Chris. Thanks for listening. I'm all right with it, guys. I'm, I'm going to make it through I think through I'm just it. amped up. <laughs> I'm amped up about it, Paul. You got your big I'm C up, up, 